Welcome into a special podcast edition Hello. of The Left Turn. Jacob Blair, Trevor Mader with you. If you're wondering why there's two versions every week, one with a podcast version and one the live version, 5 o'clock, or Wednesdays from 5 to 6 on X106.7 KZLX LP Maryville, that's because Trevor has yet to be available to do a show. So I will be on that by myself for a while. We want to get Trevor's takes. Busy, busy schedule. So we could do what? a little bit of a podcast version here to, to to figure out what Trevor thinks about well, everything over the weekend. Well, we both know I don't I don't really think, but yeah, he it, sees, and then he speaks what he sees. Pretty much, no, not much thinking that goes along. With Atlanta it. this past weekend, um, triple header. You had trucks in Xfinity on Saturday. Actually, Xfinity then trucks on Saturday, and then the Cup Series, the new Aero package. There were a lot of questions. Going into it, I still don't know how much we actually know, um, but it was it was a really interesting, exciting weekend of racing, particularly the Cup Series on Sunday. Normally, the way we'd start this is we kind of talk about the race, talk about the results. I want to start with the aero package because I think that's the most important thing. Yeah, for sure. Is to me, with everything that was supposed to happen, it we're going to get a better picture of it this week at Las Vegas because Atlanta. You've got to remember the tire wear is king. It doesn't matter what aero package you have there. At some point, tires are going to play a factor when your corner speeds drop to 140 because you have tire wear. So that's why everyone got spread out after a while. But I liked what I saw with the aero package. It it did what it was supposed to do. We'll get a better picture of it. But what did you see with the the aero package, Trevor? Uh, The restarts were crazy. I don't know how they didn't junk a bunch of stuff on the restarts. We're going to see some huge wrecks. Just monster I kept waiting. Wrecks. And the restarts were awesome. I mean, it was – have we ever seen four or five wide Atlanta? I don't think No, because some have. cars, their tire wear starts after the first corner. Yeah. And Atlanta's probably – I don't know that it's the toughest track on tire wear. You know, I, th- I think Darlington and Dover probably compete with it for that honor. But it's one of the toughest when it comes to tire wear. And, um, you know, the last couple of years at, at Atlanta, it had been the Kevin Harvick show. I think he led an average of like 160 laps per race in Atlanta over the last five years. That wasn't the case on Sunday. I don't know if the aero package had everything to do with it. I think it might have helped. But it was – I thought it was a success. I liked what I saw. Like I still don't know that we know a lot because of the way Atlanta treats tires. I think we'll know more at Vegas this week. I think when we get to maybe a bigger track too, we, like a Fontana, we might find out a little bit more. Well, there were 26 lead changes in this race, and that was not just – pit stop cycles he's the, no the big it was thing actual to me about this this arrow package is it was built because there was no passing it didn't matter if you were faster you got in dirty air it got really hard to catch the guy in front of you and pass unless he made a mistake with this package we saw drivers they, they had the ability to close if they were faster than they had the ability to get a run and pass and that's what this package was built for we'll see what happens at vegas but getting getting back to that point Last year, there were times where someone, and this was a perfect example of it, end of the race, Brad Keselowski's leading, Martin Truex is two and a half, three seconds behind. Keselowski's teammates have tire trouble, now he's worried about it, so he's babying his car, babying his tires, just trying to get to the end, and Martin Truex is like, we're going to go for it. What we would have seen in the past is Martin Truex, real quickly, was picking up four, three, four tenths a lap. Old package, he'd get about a second behind, and then he'd stall. And the last five or six laps of that race, you just see a second between Kozlowski and Truex because Truex would get something called aero push, dirty air on the car. You couldn't turn the race car. It'd wash up the racetrack, and every you could get to like six-tenths of a second, and then you'd wash up the racetrack and lose four-tenths and have to restart. With this, Truex kept bringing that time down all the way to the point where he got almost to the back bumper of Keselowski. Then a corner, he got an arrow, a little bit of arrow push with about three to go, fell back to about half a second, and then closed back up again at the end of the race. One more lap, Martin Truex Jr. is your winner of that race. I think the one that sticks out to me, and I was going to bring up the finish too, but I want to say it was towards the midway part of the race where Kevin Harvick got the lead, and like I said earlier, we know how Harvick dominates at Atlanta. And I kind of thought for a minute, okay, here we go. This is where we get the old Atlanta where Harvick kind of co- coasts. And then Kyle Larson, who had the fastest car throughout the first probably 60 to 70% of the race, was able to, to trim into that one-second lead Harvick had and then eventually 
took the lead from Harvick. And well, like you said, under the old package, I don't know that he does that. It probably stays around an eight tenths of a second lead. Um, but just an incredibly entertaining race. I don't know that there was ever was there ever a part in the race where you felt like, okay, this guy's the dominant car. He's gonna he's gonna win. There was a point midway through the race where I thought Larson had it locked up, but. Then it's Larson, and, and, and that's we've, we've seen Larson over and over and over. He makes mistakes, and he's still got to clean that up. He made another one in this race. Uh, pit road speeding penalty, I believe, is what it was, and that, that made him have to restart at the, the tail end of the field, and he was, wasn't able to really come back from that. A pit, I mean, it wasn't – I mean, it was speeding penalty, but it wasn't one that was, you know, ridiculously over. We saw that a lot on Sunday, too. Guys shooting themselves in the foot. I mean, and – Basically, every contender had something go wrong. And we'll get to, like, early on in the race, it was Eric Almirola and Ricky Stenhouse Jr., the, the guys on the Which front row. Which is not what I expected. And they were running 1-2, and then you, they both end up with penalties midway through the race, and, and they're not able to recover. And that was one thing that was a little bit concerning, is, is the guys that had trouble weren't able to recover all that well. Ricky Stenhouse Jr., after a penalty, he finished one lap down in 18th. Eric Almirola... After a penalty, it took a, it was it. He was leading. He looked like he had a really fast race car. Pit road penalty on the first pit stop took him all race long to just get back to eighth. Yeah, and and maybe if anything, that'll emphasize now more of, hey guys, we can't make mistakes on pit road. You know, maybe that's not maybe it's not necessarily a bad thing. You know that that's what happens. We saw Kyle Larson. I mean, he probably was gonna. I think he was gonna win the race. And, and I think. I think part of what we saw with this is we the, the fast cars up at the front of the field were trimmed out because they no one everyone was guessing on how this was going to go. They they trimmed the, the cars out to try to to you know raise to make them sleeker to to raise straightaway speed. And when they got in traffic, they didn't handle as well. And I think that's what we saw with some of the fast cars. Kyle Busch, on the other hand, had a, a late penalty. He was able to, to drive at the same time as Kyle Larson. Actually, they both had to go to the yes, Trevor. Trevor Trevor's to, confused right now. He was, was he was able to come through the field much quicker than Kyle Larson. But if you look at that, he had to start at the back of this field because he wrecked in practice. So they might have taken some of the speed out of that race car to have it handle better. So he was able to make more passes. I wasn't doubting my facial expression. Wasn't doubting whether or not he had a late penalty. I was trying to remember what it was. Did he have a late penalty, or did he just have a really slow pit stop? I believe it was a late penalty. I think he it was, was at the back at some point. Yeah, because him and Kyle Larson were both back there, but his wasn't speeding, was it? His was. His might have been either a guy over the wall too soon, or ju- just one of the the many different penalties you can get. Yeah, there were uh, there were a lot of penalties. Was his too many pit stalls? Was he the one that went through, or was his because he cut a tire? Wasn't his because he? That's what it was. Okay. My, my apologies. I was right. I was. He like, was a, there were there were so many weirdnesses going on there. He cut a tire, got a caution at that time. That's what can. I and got then he got a with. he got a penalty for pitting under yellow, and, is and what then it, had to start at the rear of the field. That's yeah. what it was. You had me confused. I was like, I don't think it was actually like a speeding. Or, it wasn't a, a true penalty. It was a lucky break on, on a flat tire. Well, in. Speaking of lucky breaks on penalties, Martin Truex Jr. got incredibly lucky. Uh, I think maybe we'll dive into that more in just a few minutes when we get to the finish of the race. So we've discussed the aero package. I think it's time we actually dive into this race. Start the race, Eric Almirola is out front. Ricky Stenhouse Jr. second. Penalties for them after the first pit stop. Go through stage one. Kyle Larson ends up winning stage one. Kevin Harvick ends up second. Eric Almirola, he ends up third. Kurt Busch fourth, and the Martin Truex Jr. fifth there in stage one. But early on, you could tell that the, the racing was a little bit better with, with the aero package, and we were going to have a good race all the way through. The, the Atlanta's generally one of the longer races because lap times are slower. It's 500 miles, but you could tell it was going to hold your interest through most of the race. And it did. Um, just an entertaining race pretty much from start to finish. And the first, you know, because they had the competition caution. It was lap 35, I think. And Almirola dominates the first part of that race, and you're thinking, okay, Stuart Haas have figured something out at Atlanta. Here we go. And then he gets plagued with troubles. Larson dominates stage, the rest of the stage. Then 
Harvick won stage two, didn't he? That Harvick seems like such a long two. time ago. Kyle Larson was second, Martin Truex Jr. in third. So the, the same players up front, but late in stage two, the, the, the interesting thing is late in this race, a lot of Penske cars up front. For the most of the first half, stage one, stage two, you didn't see much of the two, 22, or 12. And into stage two, that's when they started creeping their way towards the, the front of the field. Yeah, they were late bloomers for sure. I mean, Keselowski had a 6th to 10th place car most of the day. Um, Logano was was all right. Ryan Blaney was fast. He was probably the fastest Penske car throughout most of the day. He had one bad pit stop that kind of got him in trouble, and then he worked his way back up through the field. So we start stage three. Everything is running smooth. There, there haven't really been any on-track incidents other than the Kyle Busch flat tire. We we get to a situation where are we ready to talk about what I want to talk about? I think so. We're getting ready to, to make our our final pit stops of the race. If there's no other caution, green flag pit stops, and this is where kind of everything got all messed up. It we got start, clouded. Yes, Trevor, it got McClouded. You start the the pit road sequence. Early in the pit road sequence, Ryan Priest, he's he's on pit lane. He comes out of his pit box. You got BJ McLeod, and then who was the car? I think it was Ryan Blaney was, was the David other Ray. one. Ryan Blaney was, the, was getting ready, was to, getting come ready to come pit. into his pit box. So was David Ryan, Reagan on pit road too? Probably. I can't remember. It was really just those three cars. So Ryan Priest comes out of pit lane, and there's been a, a lot of argument over who is at fault in this incident, and we'll get to our take on that in a second. But Ryan Priest comes out of pit lane trying to find a spot in between Ryan Blaney, B.J. McLeod. McLeod's getting ready to make his pit stop. Blaney's getting ready to make his pit stop. So you've got cars coming in, cars coming out, and you end up Ryan Priest drills the rear end of B.J. McLeod. Priest continues on to the racetrack. You get fluid on the racetrack. Caution comes out. So we'll get to the scoring nightmare after the incident. Is What is your take on the second week in a row that a Rick Ware racing car has caused problems on pit lane? So I'm looking at this real quick. There were a lot of cars on pit road during this time. Ryan Blaney was right behind it. Martin Trix Jr. was also right behind it. And uh, Chris Buescher was right in front of it. Um... You know, this was a weird pit road race in general um, because there were a lot of guys that got cow penalties on pit road. Kyle Busch missed it at one point entirely Yeah, on a green flag pit stop. Well, and then you think about all, you know, Joey Logano had troubles on pit road all day where Alex Bowman, the way Alex Bowman was pulling into his pit, it was blocking Logano. And then Logano tried to change the way he came into his pit to avoid that. He blocked Martin Truex Jr. Quick, do you remember the... Radio communications. Yes. Joey Logano said something about Alex Bowman. Pit stop later, word for word. Pretty bad. Martin Truex Jr. Much says the exact same thing about Joey Logano. And it, it, got, it was funny. They were commenting on that if they're going to park or they're going to be on pit road like that, stop their cars, well, they're just going to knock them off the jack and cause problems and drivers get angry. Yeah, I. so I didn't I, – I don't even know what to say about – <laughs> Rick Ware racing on pit road. You back to Daytona, and those guys, you know, Cody Ware in the 51 and BJ McLeod in the 52 hit each other. Then switched. Created a. It doesn't matter though. Was it was it McLeod hit Ware? I it, I, I think don't so. It, it doesn't oh, it matter at this point. And, you know, they collect Jimmy Johnson. They collect Tyler Reddick. I think Brendan Gaughan was involved in it too. Um, and it was it was just a, a nightmare on pit road. And you think, okay, that's just one of those fluky things. It's Daytona. That's never going to happen again, right? And no, it does. And the whole thing was just a mess because BJ McLeod, you know, to turn in, from what I read, he had a flat tire. They cut a tire. They needed that car for Vegas. They were trying to save the car for Vegas. So I think they were just going to call it a day, honestly. Um he so he's turning left. Ryan Priest is coming out of pit road, and obviously when you come out of pit road, it's the only time you really make a right turn in NASCAR unless you're on a road course. And he's also he's paying attention to his tack because he doesn't want to get a, a speeding violation. He had a really fast car. He had a top ten car all day. He was running eighth at the time of 
the time he pitted, he I, was I believe he so. was in the top ten. Him and Busher both were, and so he's he's trying to make sure that he's not speeding. And then I don't know what the hell BJ McLeod was thinking. I I really don't. I mean. He comes to a complete stop. He misses. First of all, he misses his pit stall by five spots. By five spots, and then like a deer in the headlights, just stops. This was avoidable by Ryan Priest. It was also avoidable it's not by Ryan Priest's fault. And I think that's what needs to be is a lot of people saying, well, well, this is Ryan Priest's fault. You got to be looking at, well, here, here's two things. Your spotter is in your ear telling you, okay, this car's they, they understand what's going on. You look up, you're supposed to be in the far lane unless you're getting ready to, to, to pull to your pit stall. And you, 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 you slide over all the way to the outside of your pit stall, and then you get one away, you move over. So, yes, if Ryan Priest wasn't looking at his tack, he could have missed the incident, I but he's not. You're on a racetrack. This isn't the I highway. I still don't think he misses the, the, misses it. I, I don't either. I think the, the way I saw it is just like you. BJ McLeod just parked it in the middle of pit road. Re, Priest really couldn't go much further to the outside because at that point he's still Ryan Blaney to the outside of him. I think this could have been avoidable if BJ McLeod doesn't drive by his pit stall by five spots. I mean, because it's, it's not like he just... I mean, because we see guys sometimes, they go to get in their pit stall, and they lock the brakes up, and they slide past it. No, he missed his pit stall you, you like I missed my exit on I-29. You can't just turn around on, on pit road. No, it doesn't work you like can't that. just come to a complete stop and, and, either. And this is the way I would explain it. If, you know, what, what this would be like is you're in the fast lane on the interstate. Your exit's coming up. So you check your mirror just to see if you can move over a lane to get ready to go to the exit lane because you were in the fast lane. Well, the guy in front of you, he, he needs to do the same thing. But he doesn't turn a turn signal on. And all of a sudden, he freaks out because he thinks he's going to miss his exit. And while you're looking at your, in your right side mirror to check to, to see the lane, the, the slow lane, if you can get over there, that car just slams on its brakes thinking it's not going to make the exit. And you drive right into the back of them well in that situation yes insurance all of that's probably going to deem it your fault because you ran to the ran to the back of someone but everyone there knows whose fault that incident was i can i can actually kind of compare this to a situation that i had a couple weeks ago um so so my girlfriend and i i was i was going up to des moines for work and she decided to come with me we drive separately we're on i-35 just south of des moines she's in the slow lane because she's driving slow the semi comes by her doing about 70, 75 miles an hour and is going to pass her. And then he must realize that he's about to miss his exit. So he starts to get over and my girlfriend literally has to come to basically a complete stop to let him get over. That's BJ McLeod was the jackass trying to cut across lanes to, to get his exit. That's what that essentially was. And to me, if, it doesn't matter if Ryan Priest is looking at his tack or not. That wreck's probably happening. It, it maybe wouldn't have been as much as a center punch between the two cars as it was, but it's still there's still contact. And being Mike made. Joy's reaction to the whole thing was just absolutely it was amazing. And I'm not the I'm not the biggest Mike Joy fan in the world. I talk, I, I don't mind him. He's okay. He's not as good as Rick Allen or Alan Beswick or Lee Diffie, but he's okay. And his just reaction and total like befuddleness which is the first time we've used that word on the show total befuddleness of the whole situation of what is bj mcleod doing and i feel like this is one of those things that you know and i'm sure bj mcleod's a really nice guy you know he's worked really hard for everything he's got and he hasn't had the opportunities that other drivers have had like a joey logano or whatever but come on man like I'm not a uh, the biggest fan in the world of the license system that, that goes through NASCAR. You have to get approved for different things. They they talk about you hear them talk about it all the time in the, in the truck series. Yeah. you know you got to start. You know you, certain guys can't run. They, they certain make tracks. you run ARCA to run the truck series. So you saw all the KBM truck guys in the ARCA race. So there, there's a system you have to go through. I'm not the biggest fan of that system because it keeps new teams from getting new drivers. This is the reason why there's that system, and it's to keep 
drivers from even less experience than, than B.J. McLeod in the top level, and that was just an incident that shouldn't have happened, probably won't happen again. It's happened but, twice But it's in happened twice weeks. now, so we'll get to a new segment on our show here when we talk about Las Vegas. So getting back to the finish of this race, you, you get this scoring nightmare because of this caution where you have two cars on the lead lap. It was Joey Logano and Kurt Busch. Kurt Busch were the two on the lead lap, so they get a pit by themselves. And I don't know what Joey Logano's team was doing. He ended up having to pit later with a loose wheel. Yeah, which is because you have all the time in the world now. You're literally you're, you're either going to start first or second. Yeah, you're racing one. I mean, unless you take too long and end up losing a lap or something. But you're racing one guy off pit road. You know, and even then, everyone said all day the uh, the inside line was the way to go. The outside line was pretty good on restarts. So even if you, you come out second, you're probably getting the outside line. You're okay. So then you have those two, and then there's 30-something cars to take the wave around. Well, and, and who was it together? Was it Brad Keselowski? So it was Keselowski? Brad Keselowski got the lucky dog. So here's the way the restart lined up. It was Joey Logano. Kurt Busch on your front row. And then it was like eight or so lapped cars. I hate when they do that, too. Well, the way the rules state is they had to start there because every because it goes lead lap cars, cars off the lead lap. Wave arounds. Lucky dog. And then wave arounds. Well, because your entire rest of your lead lap were all wave around cars because of the way the pit, the, the caution fell during pit stops. Brad Keselowski, Martin Truex Jr., Kevin Harvick, Clint Boyer, Kyle Busch, Eric Jones, all those guys had to start behind all the lap cars. So you get this weird restart where it just kind of how fast, or it was how fast can you get through the Jimmy Johnsons and the Ricky Stenhouse Juniors. And with Logano starting up front, Brad Keselowski being the, the lucky dog spot, he got the best Ryan Blaney looked fast, too. Well, what I'm saying positioning-wise yeah. on that restart to get through the mess, it was Brad Keselowski that had the best position. He got through it quickest, so then he ends up front with about 33 to go. That was when I really expected them, the junk stuff, was on that restart when you've got Ricky Stenhouse and Jimmy and, Johnson. And, and J- Saying Jimmy Johnson's going to be in the way is not only something we, we were going to say, we would say, but he would would have been in the way yeah. on Sunday. Was that Bubba, car was Bubba slow. Wallace was in there, too. He about um, wrecked some guys. Yeah, he was at Larson. He almost took out. Um, and going back to that restart, you know, I mentioned the Martin Truex Jr. penalty earlier. Um, that wasn't actually a penalty. That whole caution was a mess. So Truex got, if I remember correctly, they originally said, you know, NASCAR's got that new camera system on pit road. I can't think of what it's called um, that detects penalties. And they originally said that his crew guy was over the wall too soon. Um, I don't remember the rule off the top of my head, but crew guy is not allowed over the wall until a certain time. I, maybe you can elaborate on that it's more. It's one pit, bo- it's one I, pit I box in front was, of yours. I, I thought it, I can remember it was one or two. But so they say he's over the wall. The, the car can drive through two, th- three. Two? It's two or three. It's two. I think it's anger, right? You can drive through two. I think it's three, but the rules state three, but the third includes your box. Yes. So it's two others, and then the crew cannot jump over the wall until the pit stall before. Four. The pit stall okay, before, so I, and there's teams that have been caught with like the gas man just sitting on top of the wall with his feet. Was it Clint Boyer last year? At, was it Phoenix or Texas that totally took him out of the race? Because, I mean, literally the crew guy was just sitting there. He wasn't working on the car; he was just sitting there. But anyways, go back to what I was saying. Crew guy goes over the wall too soon, and it was it was Jeff Gluck who does a tremendous job of social media during races. Had tweeted out, you know, Truex has been issued a penalty. So I'm waiting for that, thinking, okay, man, this is this is crazy. Well, it turns out they NASCAR reviewed the penalty from the camera system. They, you know, manually reviewed it, and they couldn't really determine whether or not uh, the crewman was over the wall too early. This is where we've gotten at in NASCAR now. Is we emphasize whether or not a crewman got over the wall the same way the NFL emphasizes a catch. Like we don't really know. Um, it's what a time to be alive. But anyways, they overturned the penalty, and it. Turned out to be a, a good thing for Martin Truex Jr., who almost won the race because of it. Yeah, so you get to the end of it. Brad Keselowski, he ends up staying out front. And, and whether he was sick or not, we can debate that another day. He didn't look all that sick in victory He lane. was feeling better. He didn't look Win- good. Winning a race will make you feel better. 
but he didn't look good Saturday. He I, looked, I will agree with during that. practice and stuff. He he did look. I think he said he was feeling about 85 percent Sunday. But to me, Brad Keselowski, he 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 did everything right to win this race. He didn't make any mistakes to beat himself. A lot of guys did that. A lot of guys made it more difficult on themselves to to win this race. Kyle Larson was the big one. To me, had that race won, and I think ends so. up with a penalty. So Brad Keselowski ends up winning. Martin Truex Jr. second. Back to Brad Keselowski. He's going to lock himself into the playoffs along with Denny Hamlin from the Daytona 500 last week. Truex second. Kurt Busch third in his first intermediate track race with Chip Ganassi Racing. That's a big run for that one team. They were really around the top five all day. It was a quiet third-place run, but a good third-place run for him. Kevin Harvick ended up fourth, only led 45 laps, which is weird to say about that four-car at Atlanta. Clint Boyer finishes fifth. Kyle Busch sixth in a backup car. Eric Jones seventh. Eric Almarola eighth. Chris Busher ninth. Daniel Suarez tenth. Denny Hamlin was 11th. Last year, last year, This year's Daytona 500 winner, Kyle Larson, Led early and was 12th. Larson had a car that, and Jeff Gordon brought this up during the broadcast too, that it was great in clean air, um, but he he had trouble even when he got in lap traffic. And that's kind of what cost him stage two was he got in lap traffic, struggled with lap cars, Kevin Harvick passed him. That you, Once he fell back to 18th because of that penalty, I kind of thought, okay, the, the wind's out of the sails for the 42 machine and they're going to have to rally back and hopefully finish in the top 10. They couldn't do so. Um, but I think one of the most impressive performances, a guy that didn't finish in the top 10, but had a car all day that was capable of a top five finish and was running the top five before trouble hit him. I think I know who you're talking about. That's the eight car of Daniel Hemrick. I was just, just about ready to get there is Hemrick ends up finishing 20th, but you saw a rookie in that eight car that looks scary on Sunday yeah, in terms of how, cause Atlanta's a tough racetrack. And ends up late in the race, running in the fifth position. I think he was up to fourth and had a fast race car. Probably if everything stayed right, he was far enough behind and everything had shaped he, out, he would he finish would fourth. Finish fourth, yeah. Ends up with tire issues that drop him back to a 20th place finish. We also saw some other cars have the, those tire issues as well. But I think Ryan Blaney was one of them. We saw Joey Logano. I think his ended up being a tire issue as well. Thought it was a loose wheel. And I don't think they ever really clarified which one it was because they talked about both. But Hemrick has tri- tire problems. But you look at both Hemrick and Ryan Priest before his issues. This is going to be a great rookie of the year battle between these two I, guys. And I don't know that either one of those guys win a race. I think Daniel Hemrick could. If you base it off of off of Sunday, absolutely Daniel Hemrick can win a race. I think he can. My thing is, is you know, he, he we saw the same thing from the Xfinity series. And you can never win a race. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean anything. But I think they both got cars that can make the chase. And JTG racing to me between Chris Buescher and Ryan Priest, they have been probably the most surprising team to me. Um, they might actually be the best Chevy team right now. Other than Chip Ganassi. Hendrick wasn't good. No, they were bad. And that's the one, one last guy I want to talk about in this race is Chase Elliott. 10th to 15th most of the day ends up. 19th that had to be disappointing for him to be in his home track you know i'm sure a lot of family and friends and stuff there and he was never a factor i think you, they said it was the first time he didn't finish in the top five at atlanta i believe that was the case you look at alex bowman 15th he was off the lead lap most of the day ends up finishing on the lead lap in 15th william byron 17th last car on the lead i believe he was the last car on the lead lap the big one i want to talk about is jimmy johnson as we've seen Johnson declining over the last year or so, this was concerning. Yeah, he. Looked I know like, it's a new crew chief, a new car, but when is the last time we've talked about Jimmy Johnson being a non-factor, not because of an incident, simply because the car is so slow it is two laps down by the end of the race? You know, and he's had ra- he had races last year where he was a 12th to 14th place car. Or, you know, they would get inside the top 10 and someone would go, that car just looked. I mean, he looked like the slow guy out there on the interstate. I mean, he was he was so slow. There, there were points in time where, I mean, he was racing with, and this is no offense to these teams. We know these teams are just slower. He was racing with, with Parker Kligerman and Matt Corey LaJoy, Matt Tiff, Bubba Wallace. And you're like, what is going on with this 48 car? Hopefully he can get something figured out. But, but I think right now 
there's a lot of concern for that 48 team because you look at Hendrick. Hendrick did not have a lot of speed this weekend, and Jimmy Johnson was a whole lap slower, whole two yeah. laps slower than the rest of his teammates. <laughs> did you watch NASCAR Race Hub before the – Some of it. Before the race Sunday? So, um, you know, and uh, Shannon Spake, uh, that's her name I think, right? Um, Jay McMurray, Regan Smith, you know, they're all doing their picks. And McMurray picks Harvick, Regan Smith picks Kyle Larson. I can't remember who else was on the show. And Shannon picked Jimmy Johnson. And as soon as she picked that, I thought, I don't, I don't, I'm one of the biggest Jimmy supporters and backers you'll find. And I, even I knew there was, he, I didn't think he'd be that slow. I thought he'd be a 15th place car most of the day. This was slow enough. It, it was alarming to me. Yeah. If there's something up with that 48. When car. Ricky Stenhouse is faster than you. Ricky Stenhouse was faster than a lot of guys on Friday. Yeah. Yeah, all but one. But, uh, yeah, just an interesting race. Going back to, I guess, my, my initial thought, I think JTG gets one car in the, ch- in the chase. I don't know which one. Um, I think Busher will be more consistent. And I think Busher's a guy that he probably jumped into the Cup Series before a ride was ready for him. You know, he was a front row. Yeah, front row that first year. Wins the race because of the fog at Pocono. JTG creates that second team, and he was the guy, and they were, I think, kind of finding, you know, their identity, and A.J. Allmendinger is not really that good either. They didn't help them. Ryan Priest is a little bit different than A.J. Allmendinger. That team looks like a team that could be pretty they, fast. They, they improved their stuff. They got the right drivers in their cars. That team, I think, is going to be a factor this year. We'll now transition to everyone's favorite segment. You mean Staple. ours? Well, you mean, ours. Yeah, our favorite segment. We're, we're hoping it becomes everyone's no, favorite There's no segment. shortage this week. There is no shortage of candidates for week number two's Baby of the Week. If you remember from last week, Noah Gragson picked up the prestigious Week 1 award of Baby of Can the Week. Can we hit the honorable mentions first? But we got Yeah, we got to talk about the honorable mentions. Is, is there, there, was a, there was a few of them. Uh, you throw out Joey Logano complaining about the, the situation up here. It wasn't that bad, but was was enough to, to get on the Baby of the Week radar. And then you get to the two real honorable mentions, and one of them was Ricky Stenhouse Jr. Yeah, Ricky, I mean, <laughs> my man. Ricky Stenhouse, I think, is mentioned more on this show than he does probably in his own house. <laughs> He's like a favorite of the program. He is like the dick. Tr- if we would have the show in the 1990s, he would have been like the dick trickle. Um, I just want to drop dick, dick, dick trickle's name. Anyways, Ricky Stenhouse. Um, on Friday, you go back to Daytona. Stenhouse is notorious for blocking like a fool. Um, and he did that, kind of took Joy Logano out of a rhythm. And then did he start one of the wrecks by blocking two? I can't remember. He's, I think he started one by blocking. He caused another one by making someone block him. Was that the one that he made? I, that was a long time ago where he made Logano block him. I don't remember what it was. He caused a lot of problems at Daytona. Yeah. Let's just say that. The typical Ricky Stenhouse or Ricky Spinhouse. And, you know, FS1 has their little segment called Radioactive, which I think is great. I, I love hearing the in-car audio and stuff and what drivers have to say about other drivers or the track or certain things. And Logano, I didn't catch what Logano said, but he wasn't too enthralled with Ricky Stenhouse. And Stenhouse apparently listens to Radioactive, which I don't know why, why any of those guys would. And he comes out Friday and says that he didn't like what Logano said and that he's now going to determine who he helps and how he raises people based on what they say about him. And he said if he's going to talk, it was it was like a five-year-old thing. He, he was acting like a five-year-old. And he's like, you know, if, if he's not going to help me, or if he's not going to say play nice with, if you're not going to play nice with me, then I'm not going to help you. Well, Ricky... Joey doesn't need your help with the exception of the restrictor plates. And the other thing is there's not a lot of guys that want your help at yeah, this point. because we've seen what happens when you try to help. So You jumped the whole th- field. That, that one w- w- was was on our radar. We were about ready. We he was the Friday candidate. He was the Friday candidate. The other honorable mention, we argued about this. We didn't know which way to go, but the other honorable mention, Martin Truex Jr. And there's... Uh, Complains about pit road, but really what ended up taking it was his complaints about lapped cars at the end of the race. I think it's contractually obligated in Joe Gibbs Racing drivers that they have to whine in their post-race interviews. Like, I honestly, I think that's 
Like I, I threw out a, I put this on on Facebook. A very unpopular opinion of I think Martin Truex Jr. complains almost as much as Kyle Busch. I think what Lately saves more. I think what saves Truex is one his per his style and who he is as a person is easier to like. And two, he doesn't win all the time like Kyle Busch does. Really, Truex up until two or three years ago was like Ricky Stenhouse. I mean, he he was. He wasn't, you know, he was a 10th to 15th place car most time. Might win a race every couple years. And really, we didn't start seeing this whining until after he won a championship. And then it's almost like he, he, I don't know if he felt entitled or what, um, but you mentioned the, uh, the Joey Logano incident, you know, whining about, Logano block him on pit road. I kind of get that to an extent. You know, those guys have a little history going back to it anyways. And, you know, he said, I'm going to knock Logano off his blocks, off his block or Jack. Well, once again, he, he had an empty thread at Joey Logano. Then, like you said, the big one is late in the race. He's trying to hunt down Brad Keselowski and Truex had the fastest car late in the race. Another lap or two or a caution. Martin Truex Jr. wins the race. Ricky Stenhouse, who's trying to stay the first car lap down, just in the off chance there's a caution, so he can get his lap back and go lap down again, is holding his line. He's he's not giving in to Martin Truex Jr. Well, Martin Truex Jr. didn't like that. He kind of felt that, you know, he's a lap car. He should let me by, which is silly. And And... Real quick, I think, I think we should give a the left a, 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 a left turn lesson right now and go through what flags mean. And real quick, the obvious one's green, means we're, we're starting the yeah. race. Yellow means the race is under caution. Red is it's going to be stopped. White, last lap, checkered flag is the end What about the, the green the and race. checkered? Green and checkered, it's a new one. It's the end of the stage. Some of the, the flags that are, are lesser known is you've got the black flag. That means you, you've got an issue it taking you down pit road. In NASCAR, it means you've got an issue, take it to pit road. In other forms of racing, it means you've done something you shouldn't have, get off the racetrack. It can mean that in NASCAR, too. It can. We haven't seen it mean that in a long time. But then you've got got the uh, black flag with either an orange cross or an orange circle, and that means we are no longer scoring you because you aren't listening to us. That's the rarest. We rarely see that one. Now, the one that is most commonly misinterpreted and misunderstood is the blue flag with the yellow stripes. Yeah. This flag does not mean get out of the way. This flag means the leaders are coming, hold your line. Two very different things. It, it, it's just letting you know the leaders are coming, give them some courtesy, hold your line, don't make them guess where you're going to go. That's all it means. You yeah, don't have to slow down, you don't have to get out of the way. And hold really your line. slowing down... Or getting out of the way can cause more troubles than just holding your... Now, I will say that the courteous thing to do if you're Ricky Stenhouse Jr. in that situation is to get out of the line Martin Truex Jr. is running. Let him by. It's the end of a race. You're not battling for position. But the flag does not mean he has to do that. That is up to his decision. If he wants to make Martin Truex Jr. mad because Truex has got to run a different line, that's what you have to do. If you're a lap car, well, run the line you want. The leaders have to find a way around, uh, find a way to get around you. If they can't do it, that's on them, not on you. I think was it the championship race last year where you know Logano and Truex are battling, and guys were literally they were getting down to the bottom of the track, and I think if I remember correctly, Regan Smith was one of them, Matt DiBenedetto, and basically pulling over. They said we're not going to let, we're not going to decide the um, the championship. But there's nothing that says Ricky Stenhouse Jr has to let Martin Truex pass him. There's nothing that says that. That flag just means don't drive up and down the track like an imbecile. He did. He held his line. He doesn't do it all the time. Actually, doesn't do it much. But he did hold his line. He did make it tough for Martin Truex Jr. to pass him. Martin didn't like that. And he said so in his post-race interview. And it just kind of came across as, as whiny. And he's starting to kind of... Re- Rub me the wrong way. I don't. I think he's starting to rub a lot of people the wrong way. I mean, yeah, I, I still, I think back to the whole Martinsville thing, you know, and him kind of being whiny about that as well. Um, when that move ended up winning Joy Logano a championship. Should we get to our actual baby? Of yeah, the we week? talked a lot about honorable mentions, which I think 
goes to show how babyish this our baby great. of the this week is. is. Our, our I wish baby, we had, the left I wish turn, we had week enough two. for an honorable mention every week. The left turns, week two, baby of the week, goes to Austin Dillon. For he, multiple incidents he might win, over the course of this he weekend. Might win, he might be our baby of the week champion this year. Like Which he, we are keeping track of. He of could our baby honestly. Of the week it, week. My money's on him or Kyle Bush or Martin Truex. One of those three. Yeah, Austin Dillon, a couple different incidences. I didn't get a chance to watch qualifying on Friday. I know maybe you can dive a little bit more into it. But there was an incident with him and, and Quint Boyer on Pitt Road. Maybe dive into that a little bit. Yeah, so the incident that occurred is it's still group qualifying. Everyone gets a, a pit selection. You, you back up against the wall, and then when the clock hits zero, you get to go. Well, with, with the way qualifying worked, there was a battle to get out onto the racetrack first. One time before that, Austin Dillon said that he got a warning that he left before the clock hit zero. So the the next time out, he waited till the clock hit zero. He pulled it out of his pit stall. Clint Boyer, he's coming. He's he's further back, so he's got more speed. At that point, Austin Dillon was basically complaining that Clint Boyer didn't wait till zero. They end up racing off of pit road. Clint Boyer is trying to pass Austin Dillon on pit road to get on the racetrack first. Clint Boyer comes back and says, well, Austin wasn't getting up to speed as fast as I needed him to, so I passed him. And the the, the, the issue is Austin Dillon complaining about Clint Boyer, complaining about the, the fact that he you know didn't understand the time rule. There's a lot of weird stuff, uh, and it didn't look good for, for Austin Dillon. And when, anytime you're going up against Clint Boyer in an interview battle, you're going to lose. It's going to take a lot to win. You really you can't. It's going to be but, tough. But to that was, we were like, okay, that was kind of whiny. Just go qualify your car. It was a weird situation. But then we get to Sunday, and we get some just glorious radio communication from Austin Dillon. Yeah, and I happened to come across it on – Twitter, you know, because I'm one of those people, I'm browsing social media as I'm watching the race. I want to see what the journalists at the track are saying, because when you're watching a race on TV, you only get to see what the TV shows. And, you know, you and I having, haven't been to races before. There's a lot more going on than just what's on TV. And sometimes the most exciting thing or most compelling thing isn't even on TV. So, you know, I come across that Austin Dillon has a radio communication with his crew and uh, basically was was whining about the car. And not only was he whining about the car, he was uh, whining about the people responsible for putting together the car. So to set this up a little bit is some teams decided to bring more of a, what they would call a, a super speedway package to Atlanta, guessing what they had was no going to be the, the, the type of racing. So they brought cars that, were built a little bit more like restrictor plate. The old restrictor plate cars sleeked out more, take some downforce off of them, thought the draft was going to mean more. And Austin Dillon's car was one of those, we believe, and it was not handling well. So he just goes basically on a rage fit on the radio, complaining about the car. He can't do anything with it. His team's trying to calm him down, and then he gets to the point where the, the, the tweet that was – that got you onto this. He, he basically he, says, I, I have, guess it's... You, I have the exact tweet. He says, Trevor it's my fault. It's my fault for believing in the people who made the body decisions. I'm, I uh, understand his frustration. Th- there's frustration, but there's certain things I, I don't believe that you should say. And throwing the, the people that work on your car that get you to the point where you get to race on, on Sunday is you can complain about the handling of your race car. If you listen to the radio, every driver does it. They don't like the handling of the race car. But when you go so far to say the people that aren't even at the racetrack yeah. are the, the reason why you're, you're not doing well, this is Sunday. You had an opportunity to fix some stuff on Friday. Maybe you should get that figured out and not throw the, the guys that are working hard on the race car you get to sit on sit in on Sunday under the bus. How awkward do you think that was Monday morning when he came into the RCR shop and you know those guys Here, are the Here's car. my question. Is did Daniel Hemrick come with the same car or did his crew say that's not what we want? Is there any that, and we that's don't know. Really, I guess it's something I didn't really think about. You but know, that was one of the things Dylan I looked at. 
Doing is, wasn't a factor all day. Is, is, well, I'm like, this is RCR. The likelihood that both cars showed up with the same idea is for this race is equally as likely they showed up with something completely different. But that would be, and I don't think we're ever going to truly know which car came with what or what I car I think there's had. Maybe, a, maybe another factor. Maybe, you know, Daniel Hemrick's just a lot more talented. There, there's that, too. I think that's probably more what it is. Um, so, yeah, Austin Dillon is definitely our, our baby, baby of, of the week. week. Um, and one other thing, you know, we were mentioning Rick Ware Racing earlier. We forgot about one accident they caused. Paul Menard accident. That, that is correct. Yeah, we what we caught we, this is it, it was never shown on TV, but late in the race, Paul Menard gets some damage. Apparently, as he was trying to make a pass for position on Ryan Priest, on Ryan people. Priest, some Poor irony guy. there. Ends up getting into the rear end of, I believe it was the fifty-two car, fifty-one. If it was a fifty-one, so it was the other Rick Ware racing car causing. Paul Menard, some issues. Punk put a hole in his nose is what was said. They ended up finishing 12th in the 12th position. But uh, I think that leads into our newest segment on the left turn is who is Rick Ware Racing going to wreck this week? So, and I, there's a part of me that really hopes this happens. I'm going to say Clint Boyer because for one, stupid weird stuff always happens to Clint Boyer. And for their sake, I think he would handle it okay. He probably wouldn't be happy, and he'd probably have something real smart-ass to say, which would be funny. Um, who do you think would be the worst-case scenario for them to take out? That's a difficult question. Would it be Kyle Busch? I think it'd be Kyle Busch or Kurt Busch. Or Joey Logano? One of those three. or any of the, Really, any of the Penske guys other than Ryan Blaney. Yeah, Blaney, Blaney's cool enough of a dude. That, I mean, he wouldn't be happy, but he wouldn't be... You know, or if they take out or a guy like Chase at Elliott. At this point, if it happens to the same guy again. Oh, yeah, that's so true. A Jimmy Johnson or Ryan Priest or Paul Menard again, we, we could have some, some issues. And if they take out a guy like Chase Elliott, who's got a strong backing, a, a lot of fan, a, a big fan base and stuff, that wouldn't be pretty either. I don't uh, This There's a part of me that kind of hopes they take out somebody this week just so we can have this conversation again. And Next continue week, you know, our newest segment. Do you think at some point NASCAR, somebody's going to sit these guys down and say... If it happens again, yes. Whether it's their fault or not, if they are involved... Because they're not very fast race cars. No, they're there, There's no getting around that. If this happens again and they cause another incident, whether it's their fault or not, because the problem is they're going so slow, they're in the way some of the time. If they cause another incident, yes, I think they, have, I think they need to they be sat down. I think they be one more accident away from... Being told, hey, you guys have to pit now when nobody else is pitting. Be like, I, I know that that'd be unprecedented, but I mean, <laughs> you cause another wreck on pit road of all places. I have seen more wrecks on pit road in the last two weeks than I think I had in the last five years. I think there was another point of the race they just kind of glossed over it. Where I think this Daniel Hemrick was spun out in his pit stall early, early in the race. Like, I think pit I road was it. weird. Yeah, it was really weird. But yeah, I wonder who they're going to take out this week. So we spent a long time talking about the cup race, and there's a reason. There's not a lot of talk about with the Xfinity and trucks. No, the Xfinity was pretty boring. So we'll get to the Xfinity race. Christopher Bell won. Yeah. Led 142 laps. tried to make it interesting. And that's about it. Uh, th- th- this race was, and I think, unfortunately, I think the only thing we could talk about is how dominant is Christopher Bell going to be this season. You have less cup drivers in the, in the field in this race you really didn't have any yeah and if you look at the schedule and you break it down you have to you know remove some mechanicals remove some weird stuff that happens if you there, there's 18 to 20 races christopher will could win on this schedule I'm gonna say, and i think he i personally think he ends up with 15 i'm gonna this say season. 11 just because it's a long season some crazy stuff will happen um i'm gonna say 11 but yeah this year you haven't seen the, you know, one, the rule changes and stuff. You don't see as many cup guys running now in the Xfinity. You know, three or four years ago, there would be races where you had seven or eight cup guys. You know, you, your, your highest finishing non-cup guy might be Justin Allgaier at eighth. Now, you know, you might get like Brad Keselowski or a Kyle Busch. One or two, not normally very many. Well, we, we know how long Kyle Busch is going to be in the Xfinity Series until he gets to 100 wins. Yeah, so a couple more years. And then 
you look at you know the stuff that happened with Ross Chastain this offseason. He goes from what we thought was going to be a really fast car to the same ride he had been in. Um, then also Daniel Hemrick moving up, I, I think, helped uh, Christopher Bell as well. I think Tyler Reddick, who's been okay these first couple weeks, he's not going to be what he was last year. Noah Gregson is not experienced enough to really be a threat. There really isn't a threat to him, maybe other than Cole Custer and Austin Sindrick. And Christopher Bell is by far the most talented. Here's of those. the way I see it is Christopher Bell was ready for the Cup Series last year. So yeah. you've got a field of Xfinity drivers and one Cup driver running these races. Yeah. And that, that Cup driver is Christopher Bell. If you look at talent level, and it's a huge number saying he's going to win 15 races. But I think if everything goes right, 15 might be on the low end if he has a perfect season. And I'm going to say 11 because the way he races, not everything's going to go right. Um, he's cut out of that Kyle Larson, Tony Stewart. And I would even argue early in his career, Jeff Gordon cloth, where they kind of overdrive stuff sometimes. Um, you know, they make some mistakes. For one, he, he likes to ride the top side there's some tracks he can't really do that at um but i think i he's the guy to beat this year until proven otherwise the real question is going to be probably who finishes second i agree move to the truck race similar fashion kyle bush wins that's really all there was to this race the weather in atlanta was weird on saturday it was there was a, a foggy mist that just fell sat over, over the, the, the i mean the it just track. sat there all day and it got to the point where there was a, a red flag at the end of the truck race but Kyle Busch dominates the truck race. Ben Rhodes was the only other car that had enough speed to lead really any laps. Johnny Sauter came on late, but he struggled throughout the day. Um, and then, but no, yeah. one, no one was good enough for Kyle Busch. No, it wasn't even close. And they were, you know, they restarted the race. Was it five to go after the rain? I think they restarted it. And they probably actually shouldn't have restarted the race. They they probably would have been just fine because they were trying to junk stuff. I mean, they came into turn two. And, like, cars are so – I don't know how with 18, 19-year-old kids and then Kyle Busch and Johnny Sauter and Matt Crafton, I don't know how they didn't junk stuff. I don't either. We could have we, – we almost had some excitement there, but there was one big restart wreck. Other than that, Kyle Busch kind of runs away with it. Johnny Sauter second, Grant Enfinger third, Brett Moffat fourth, Ben Rhodes finishes fifth. The big storyline with this, Kyle Busch becomes now the most – winningest driver in truck series history before this he was tied with ron hornaday at 51 he now gets 52 and i believe he's now along the lines of somewhere like eight races from winning 200 and five all, five there yep i just tallied up earlier he's got 51 cup wins 92 xfinity wins 52 truck wins which puts him at 195 wins one other quick stat on kyle bush that i think is interesting is so i'm a big fan and not so much about wins but how many of your races you win and how often you win. And Kyle Busch in the Xfinity Series, he has won in his career 27% of the Xfinity Series races he's been in. And that's absurd. That's ridiculous. That means one out of every four races, pretty much. And his average races per win is 3.75. In the Truck Series, he wins 36% of the time, which is even more absurd. And... His average races between wins is 2.8. So overall, in his career, Cup, Xfinity, Trucks, he's won. He's just under 1,000 starts. He's got 190, 991 starts, so he'll get to 1,000 in a couple weeks. 195 wins. That means he has won 20% of the races he's been in, and he wins about once every five races. Don't tell me this dude doesn't belong in the conversation of one of the greatest. He, he is, I, I agree, he is one of the most talented drivers we've probably ever seen. He, he's in that conversation, and it's just his adaptability to go from car to car. Because we've seen other guys struggle to drop down to the truck series. Because the, the, the way it works, is it, the way it drives is so different from the Cup Series. Same with Xfinity. So it, it's, an, it's impressive what he's done. He's got three chances at Las Vegas as he has entered in all three races. So we're going to now move on. To Atlanta, before we do do so, just kind of give one little bit of news about the IndyCar Series as their opener, not this weekend, but next weekend. We'll talk a lot more in depth about the Grand Prix of St. Pete next week. But Fernando Alonso, running the Indianapolis 500, released his number 
we just it's going to be number 66. Nothing real big, but just an interesting number choice. Goes along the lines of when McLaren ran some chassis with Penske and Mark Donahue. He drove the 66. So a little bit of a sentimental value to that number choice, but we'll Put see. Put a lot of thought into that. We'll, we'll see Fernando Alonso in the 66 in any. So now we'll move to Las Vegas for the weekend of racing. And we have started a new competition here on the left turn. We are, are going, and we're going to keep track of our picks. And we're going to create some point standings, and we're going to make everything work here. So after two weeks, the way it works is we calculate finish points for each one of our picks. And we have a competition in overall finish points. Goes based on the NASCAR point system. Does not include bonus points. Does not include stage yeah, points. Yeah, we decided we won't get too extreme. We also have winner's points. So we calculate how good we pick or how well we pick at winning races. You get three points for a Cup Series correct picked winner two points for xfinity one point for trucks and then we're going to break down each series as well so now that we get to our picks this weekend we'll start with the cups the cut or the truck series excuse me it's the strat 200 it's going to be on friday it's going to be a later race I believe it it's around eight o'clock is when this one's supposed to start central time Trevor, who do you? Who, I'm leading the points, aren't i because your your truck pick, series points your pick to win at daytona didn't even make the show well, we repicked that. We we allowed the repick there. Okay. Well, either who did you even repick? We picked Johnny Sauter. Okay. Well, it didn't matter. Just yeah, it, he didn't finish well either. So you're leading sixty four fifty four. We both pick. We both pick Kyle Busch. So now we've got the rule that we have to pick a different driver. So we'll go through those rules real quick, just so everyone knows how we chose to pick in order. Is we're going to alternate order of who picks first with each series. You cannot pick the same driver since these rules are not in place last week we left it both of us picking kyle bush for the truck race you cannot pick the same driver if you do pick the winning driver regardless of the alternating order the other person gets to pick that winner we're doing this the christopher bell rule because we'll just keep picking yeah. christopher bell whoever picks first otherwise we'll just rotate right that is correct so trevor based on alternating order was the first to pick the trucks who is winning the strat kyle 200 bush. at las vegas Yep. It's in Vegas. We've seen, we saw what he did last week. He loves to win in Vegas. He loves winning in Vegas more than he does anywhere else. It's hometown. He wins, and I don't think it's close. I think the only driver that can even give him a run is one we've seen do well at Vegas, one that races well a mile and a half, and that's Ben Rhodes. I think Brett Moffitt could too, but I but I think everyone's running for second. Those are those are the two. So now we will move on to the Xfinity series. Is there's not really a whole lot to dive into with the truck series. Xfinity, they're going to be running the Boyd Gaming 300, 3 o'clock on Saturday on Fox Sports 1. Kyle Busch is in this race, the only what we would deem cup driver in the You event. don't consider Austin Dillon a cup driver? I, I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, Technically, I Austin Dillon is the other cup driver in the field. Yeah. He's I driving, I believe, the second Kyle Grayson car, that 10 car. But who wins the Xfinity race? Christopher Bell. I was I was surprised when you got to pick first. You took Christopher Bell, didn't take Kyle Busch. I think these two are actually going to have a great race between the two of them. I think everyone else is racing for third. I'm going to pick Kyle Busch on the other side of it, just because we, we we just talked about how good Kyle. You're is leading the Xfinity points. Right? Xfinity you points picked wise, Bell last week, and I picked Priest, and that wasn't the greatest pick in the world. And you picked Justin Haley week one. I picked Chase Elliott at yeah. Daytona, so I'm leading Xfinity points sixty seven to 50 so i've got some work to do you have some work to do we'll get to the cup series which i'm owning yeah it's i caught up a little bit but after week one i was down 29 to 3 yeah because daniel hemmerich did not well he felt like he needed to drive around the track under a red flag which if you go to any racetrack anywhere that's a big no-no so nascar decided to park daniel at the daytona 500 so i did not do great I picked up some points this last week. Is Kyle Busch finished sixth? Trevor picked Kyle Larson. He finished twelfth. Man, I looked. I looked like a genius for the first hundred and fifty laps of the race. Too bad the race was three hundred and twenty-five laps. But this week at Las Vegas, the Cup Series is running the Pennzoil four hundred, presented by Jiffy Lube. That's going to be two thirty on Fox. Trevor. I got to pick first this week as you picked first last week. I went with Ryan Blaney. You stole my pick. The fours were extremely fast this last week. 
Ryan runs well at Las Vegas. I think Ryan Blaney gets the win. I'm going to go Ryan Blaney's teammate. I'm going to go Joey Logano for pretty much the same reason. Penske, they had the stronger cars late in the race. Fords have looked fast. Even It's funny because we weren't sure what they were going to look like with, with the new bodies and stuff. They look fine. Looks like they haven't missed a beat. Joey Logano, sneaky good at Las Vegas. I also made going with Brad Keselowski back-to-back, and I wanted to pull the trigger on a, on a Kyle Busch sweep of the weekend, but that would have been too bold for my liking. So give me Joey Logano to pick up the win at Las Vegas this week, and that means Brad Keselowski is going to win. Or Kyle Busch. It'll be one, of the, one of the guys that you've secondarily picked. Yeah. But when you look at, at the left turn points, I am leading winner's points 3-1, to one, as I was 2-3 for three the last week just missing out on the Cup Series. And then overall points, Trevor is leading 168-155. to 155. It's going to be fun. To see how I'm gonna smoke you, how bad or good our picks are throughout the season. I'm gonna smoke you. Trevor, Trevor told me he is a points racer. Yeah. So he may not win the winners' point competition, but he will destroy me in the finishing points competition. I'm about, I'm about consistency. It's a little bit of competition here on the left turn. Another great weekend of racing, and we're really a couple weeks away from it really getting going. Is other things other than NASCAR get started? So we'll be there to, to preview that next week again. The live edition of the left turn Wednesdays five to six. At one some, of these days, some point Trevor will be a part of the live edition. Might be summer. I will be taking care of that until he decides to, you know, make the show. Yeah. But this has been the left turn here on the next one hundred six sports podcast. Jacob Blair, Trevor Mater. Thank you for tuning in.